Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sadly, this is what home sounds like for many of America's heroes. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street, sleeping on nothing more than cardboard. You can help. Donate at CardboardToHeadboard.org. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and today I am so excited to be joined by Sports Illustrated host and producer Jessica Smetana. We talk about women in sports, looking at failures as experiences, and embracing self-promotion to celebrate your work. Beyond that, we discuss Jessica's incredible meme ability, tips for being a good interviewer, trusting your gut, and so much more. This episode has a lot of laughs and great conversation, so let's get to it. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me. You make me laugh all the time on social media. And I made those sugar cookie bars that you inspired me to make. Ooh. They're ridiculously good. The sugar cookie bars were such a just a surprise. I was shocked how good they were. If you haven't seen my posts about the sugar cookie bars, it's a recipe from the New York Times cooking app, and it is the best, most delicious cookie I think I've ever made or tasted. It's amazing. And I love in the thing, it says it was adapted from like the American Girls Cookbook, which is <laughs> <laughs> kind of my favorite part. I'm glad that you made them. Um, I've been singing their praises now for four weeks. So yeah, they were pretty, they were pretty fantastic. So right off the bat, thank you for that. I really, I really appreciate that. <laughs> Some good stuff. Um, but we can talk a little bit about, you know, your profession, and then we can get back to cooking. Sure. For sure. And then we can talk about me being in the kitchen, like the stereotypical uh, yes. response to like every sports, like media woman. Um, ironically, yeah. I enjoy being in the kitchen as well. <laughs> it's so funny because I made them on International Women's Day and I felt like, am I okay to make them today? But I was like, yes, I am <laughs> because it's my choice and I want to make them today and they're delicious. Exactly. Exactly. I'm glad. So let's start, now that we've made it through the cookies, uh, let's start by talking a little bit about your professional journey uh, that's brought you to where you are. Because you've had a, a very interesting, like from your time at Notre Dame to Sports Illustrated, I feel like you've had a lot of really great experiences. So please share. Yeah. So I went to Notre Dame, like you said, and I worked for the athletic department's like media you know, internal media company there. And that was a great experience because Notre Dame broadcasts a lot of sports on NBC. So we worked with a lot of NBC production teams and crews, which was a really good um, experience. Like our, our Notre Dame hockey games would be on NBC sports. So we got to work with their, with their team um, 
you know, during the winter. And so that was a great experience. And another thing that happened while I was in college was I uh, volunteered to be like a production assistant. I wasn't really volunteer. It was actually like an actual job, but I was a production assistant <laughs> on um, the Showtime sports. Like, do you remember when Notre Dame and I think Florida State and Navy were all part of this like a season with mm-hmm. TV show a few years mm-hmm. ago? Yeah. So that was my senior year. So I was helping out with that a few times um, during football weekends. And so that was a really cool experience because that was a professional uh you know, TV set, basically. They had trailers set up on campus. Um, So that was really cool. So I had a lot of production experience going into my first job, which helped me, I think, land that first job at SB Nation, which is where I worked for two years. And I really came into media from a more behind the scenes um, position and have kind of jumped on all of the on-camera talent things that I can um, from that role. And so it's allowed me to be kind of like a hybrid producer host, which is what I basically do now at Sports Illustrated. Um, and I think having a lot of knowledge about what goes into a shoot or a show or a podcast has really helped me um, become a better talent because I think all of the roles and responsibilities and nuances of production are good to know. And like mm-hmm. now that I think the lines are getting blurred between um, people producing their own content and making their own shows and everything. It's, it's nice to have a well-rounded skill set. So very lucky that I was able to do all of those things um, and was able to get that job at SB Nation, which was a a really good first place to work, I think. So going back to the Showtime show, a season with Notre Dame football, at that point, you're a senior in college. Was it daunting at all? And did you very quickly get over that? Because you're like, oh, this is a real thing and I need to just focus. Yeah, I really didn't. It wasn't like a a massive time commitment because we were students and they were cognizant of the fact that students can't work a 15 hour day because we have to go to class. So I was able to help out when I could and there wasn't a ton of pressure to really you know, skip class or something like that to um, join the crew. Um, so it was really just a good experience to have to like tack on to the other things that I was doing. Um, and I think the like probably the highlight of that experience was I got to drive the uh, the truck that we were filming out of. It was it was a van, I guess, from um, Notre Dame has like a pep rally every Friday before football games. And then they drive to the hotel that they stay at um, in downtown South Bend. So they get a full police escort from the campus to downtown South Bend, which is like a 10 minute drive. And I got to drive the van behind the police escort. So I was like, you know, hitting the gas at red lights and like driving like a maniac while they were trying to get these shots because like the road was completely blocked off to us and you know there's like fans on the street waving to the players I just was like this is so cool I've never driven in a like police motorcade before I felt very uh just it was just like really funny and and just I don't became the driver somehow despite them you know not knowing my driving skills um which are not bad but it was it was kind of funny that is really funny. That actually does sound cool because that's not something that happens every day. It's like being in the parade. You're like, oh, this right? Is cool. <laughs> no, it was it was really cool. Uh, but yeah, so it was it was a good experience and it was it was fun to work with them. So you were just talking about you know 
how many different things that you've done, how many hats you've worn, how that helps you to get your job at SB Nation. I just, I don't know why I'm recapping for everybody who just heard it two minutes ago, but, <laughs> and then now it's Sports Illustrated. But I want to talk a little bit about that because it does come up on this podcast a lot, how important it is to know how to do everything. So this is a little bit of a two-part question. How how important at this point do you think it is to do everything? Because as you said before, the lines are getting blurred. And then how does your preparation change kind of for each thing that you do? Yeah, I think it's it's good and bad because I think that it's harder to like, you know, anytime you're not focusing on one thing, mm-hmm. you're, you know, taking time away from that to focus on another thing. So building up expertise in one area, I think is harder because um, if I'm not going to be, you know, practicing my interviewing skills, every single day, like they might not be as sharp as someone who is, but at the same time, I'm using, I'm not using that time to like sit around and watch Netflix. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like that will be time that I'm spending, you know, researching a story or something like that. Mm So, um, there's like a trade away, I think. And it's becomes, uh, I think your job to really find a balance and making sure that you kind of stay sharp in all those areas. And I, by no means I'm like, amazing at every single thing that I've ever done and I've everything I've made is perfect but I think that like you you know get better at everything the more you do it practice makes perfect so the more you can practice each thing a little bit um you can really like work on those skills and yeah I do think it's important I think it really kind of depends where you work because there are still a lot of places where like at you know at ESPN or like NBC Sports if you're talent like you're talent you don't have to carry um gear to the van. You don't have to set up a C stand. You don't have to light your interview subject. That like those things are just not part of your role. But I do think that at a lot of smaller companies or medium-sized companies, it really helps to know those things and it sets you apart from other people and it becomes easier to stand out. Um if you're someone who can like, you know, come into a shoot and say, I really like this uh you know, interview look, but what if we did this, this, and this? And like, then you can, you know, produce that. And like, what if we asked them this and and then that, and then you can, you know, do the interview. And so I think it's important to have a bit of a balance, like anything else in life. I think <laughs> everything is good in moderation for the most part. Um, but yeah, I think it, it really has changed a lot in the last few years. And that's why I think if you're in college right now, you're probably learning a lot about being a multimedia journalist or, you know, being having to carry your own gear around. I know that that wasn't really a thing 20 years ago. So right. um, things have changed a little bit. So you brought up interviewing and you brought up research. And this podcast is, a lot of it is for women who work in sports, somebody who loves sports, and women who want to work in sports, and men too. Uh, so I will I will not exclude them from the conversation. Uh, you talked about interviewing though and, and research, as I said. What are some tips you would have for being a good interviewer, because I think this is something, it's a skill. And it, like you said, practice makes perfect. It is not an easy thing. So I would just love to know some kind of tips you have anywhere from one to three. That you yeah, I think, I think that's a good question. Um, I think the best interviewers are just good listeners. That's really like corny and cliche, but it's true. Like it's hard to um, have a good interview without being able to ask follow-ups. And another thing that is important is knowing something so well that you like researching something well enough that you actually know it. So you're not second guessing yourself when you're actually in the interview. Um, that's something that's hard to do if you're doing something live where you can't really make mistakes. And if you miss the opportunity to bring something up because you weren't sure about it or you, 
you know, pause for a second, um, it could be really hard. And then your subject is, is, you know, disengaged from that topic and you have to keep moving on. But it is, I, a lot of the interviews I do are, um, not live right now, which is a huge help. And a lot of them are also remote. So I can have notes like right next to me and it's not going to impact the interview really at all. Um, but there's pros and cons to that too, which is that, um, the subject can, you know, decide, I didn't really like how I said that. Can we go back? And then like you, you know, you kind of have to use like whatever take sounds the cleanest. So I think it's just important to really know your subject matter as much as possible so that you don't just kind of like know random facts off the top of your head, but you're really, really sure of the, the topic and can talk about it. And it'll come top of mind really quickly if there's something that, you know, you want to follow up on and, and it isn't something that you stop and think, oh my God, shoot, what was that again? I can't remember. Did, you know, did he play at Miami? Like, was that, uh, like, it's really helpful just to know your stuff. Yeah. And you don't want to say something about your time at Miami. And he said, that I went to Florida state. Like that would be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So you definitely don't want that either. Have you ever had an experience in an interview though, that was a good, uh, lesson learned to make sure that didn't happen? Um, I can't really think off the top of my head. I've definitely had like a lot of really just kind of awkward interview experiences. And and with COVID and everything being mostly remote where I work, um, there are a lot of times where it, you can get really awkward talking over one another via Zoom or like the awkward lag time. Like it's really hard. I think there's definitely pros and cons. And a huge pro is that you don't have to travel constantly. Um, I love traveling, but obviously traveling a lot is it's taxing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I can't really think off the top of my head if, if that's ever come up. But um, I've definitely had some like less than stellar experiences that I'm, I'm, you know, got to do better next time. And that's part of the job is learning and, and improving and getting better. 100%. And it's funny with COVID, um, I started doing like five fun facts, the 49ers players on Zoom, as opposed to in person, your iPhone. And it, it is different. And you brought up, I think, two really important things, the listening and the following up, because that was a place where I really had to adjust on Zoom, because they're supposed to be quick. And but you got to give them time because sometimes the player would be like, I'm just making this up. What's a hobby you have? I love gaming. And it'll just be silent. So I felt like it's time to move on to the next question. But I move on to the next question. And they're like, and my favorite game is Fortnite. And so it, it, the Zoom, I almost think like the Zoom in some ways has been a blessing and a curse because it, for me at least, it's really taught me to just wait a beat. Don't fill the silence. And there's that. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And you can kind of like, if you do get stuck at any point while you're on Zoom, you can blame it on your computer and be like, sorry, my internet cut out for a second. What did you say? Wait, hold on. I I couldn't hear you. And um, it's a little bit of a buffer between you and the subject. Yes, it is. And I, Colt McKivitz, we did, I think it was Colt, we did his five fun facts and I emailed Fort Anders PR and I was like, hey, it didn't record. Oh, <laughs> Is no. he still in the building? <laughs> or it wasn't the building. He was home. He's like, would you? So luckily we had a trial run, but that was a, that was a good lesson because Colton was very nice. I was like, no problem. But. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Technology <laughs> is, a lot can go wrong when you're completely remote. And especially if like, I, I work on a lot of productions where we're, you know, our crew is in Miami or Seattle or wherever. And I'm like, 
constantly corresponding with them throughout the Mm -hmm. shoot and it's just weird not being there and seeing things for yourself and like there's a lot of visual cues you can pick up on being in someone's home or their backyard or their gym or wherever the interview is taking place that you can't get when you're remote and so it's a lot harder to find those like little things that you know I had an example of this I had an interview with Crystal Dunn this summer the Mm -hmm. U.S. Women's National Team player and the crew showed up at her house and they told me that she had pet chickens in her backyard and it became a question and part of the video um and she was really really jazzed up about these chickens and i i love chickens i think they're hilarious so i was really happy that they told me there were chickens because i don't think i would have just known that and we wouldn't have you know like it was part of the story and became like a visual part of the uh video that we made so i was like oh thank god but those things definitely can slip by unless you have a, a very, um, a, you know, a crew that's telling you little details like that. So speaking of COVID, since you did bring up this lovely year that we have all experienced, how have you adjusted? What things did you find? There probably was some trial and error, but but kind of what tips did you find along the way to adjust accordingly? I think from a non-work perspective, the most important thing that I found is to just have a lot of hobbies and to mm-hmm. not treat all of your hobbies like they have to be side hustles Mm -hmm. because there's been a lot of um you know time that I would usually spend like at a happy hour or traveling or visiting my friends or that those types of situations where like you literally are done working for the day and then like what do you have to do Mm -hmm. and it's really kind of sad sometimes and it can be like very I don't know and this was more so like last spring and summer than than now but um, I think it's important to have a well-rounded uh, set of interests and not like you can get really burnt out of sports really quickly if all you do is watch and talk about sports. And I know that there's people that probably think that that's crazy, especially people that don't work in sports that are like, what are you talking about? I love sports. Like, I'll never get sick of sports. Mm-hmm. I thought that when I was 22 and um, this there was a, a news producer who used to teach one of my journalism classes at Notre Dame. And Mm -hmm. he said that to me, he was like, you will get burnt out of sports if it's all that you do. And I was like, this guy's crazy. What is he talking about? (laughs) But it's true. And I thought, I think I found that mostly during the pandemic when really it was like, if I wasn't, you know, working, I was just watching sports at home. Um, and so it became important for me to like be, become, uh, you know, interested in other things that could kind of be a nice break from, just the job and and watching, you know, baseball or basketball or whatever it was. And you said that about, you know, balance and having some well-rounded interests. How do you, I think a lot of times, I'm trying to rephrase this question so that I say it correctly, not just in COVID, but I think in life, a lot of times when you don't have a set schedule, when you're not in an office where you work from, let's say nine to five, um, and you could always be working. Sometimes we look at our hobbies and our interests and think, well, they're not as important because I should be focused on work. How do you balance that and say, no, I need some time for myself. I want to be cooking. I want to be doing whatever it is I want to do and not feel guilty about it. I think it's really hard. I think that a lot of the mentality about working in sports media is like, this is a grind. And like, if you don't do it, someone else will. So you better mm-hmm. work really hard. Someone else will come for your job. And I think that that's really unhealthy. And I think that like, at the end of the day, like, I'm extremely passionate about working in sports and and like the job that I have. And obviously I, I will, I work very hard at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it is a job and 
life and family and, you know, other things, I think, make you better at that job. So if you can have that balance, you're even sharper the next day versus if your brain is just like a mush of, you know, NL Central games all weekend and then you go into work Monday and like it's just it's I think also if you're someone who is a creative and prides themselves on having creative ideas or stories or coming up with different video series watching other things and the way other people do things outside of the sports world is a huge help to inform how we can do things differently in the sports world because a lot of sports videos and sports stories can feel the same sometimes. And so when you watch like a really good documentary that's about Mm -hmm. something completely different, you might get an idea and then bring that back to work the next day. And it actually makes you better at your job. And like I said, I think it keeps you sharper. Um, So I think all of the things that you do outside of work can really make you better at your work. Um, And having the mentality that like you feel guilty when you're not, you know, constantly plugged in actually might be like more harmful than than good in some occasions. I think that's true. And I think burnout is a real thing. And especially during COVID where we're not going somewhere where everybody's working from home. I think it's so important to kind of have that separation and, and take that time. Um, you talked about creativity and I want to talk about your memes because they're very funny <laughs> uh, and, and you're very funny. And then I always thought the thing you had with, um, Charlotte Wilder, who was one of our guests and is her wondering, is this a meme? Is this not a meme? I don't understand <laughs> the memes was always, it was hilarious. But when did you realize, and I, maybe this isn't the right way to ask this question, but when did you realize you had that talent that you were a little bit of like a meme expert? That's a great question. I feel like I I think I have meme lord in my like Twitter bio. I don't even know when I put that in there. But um, I don't know. I think it was kind of a running joke that me and um, my coworker at SB Nation, Harry Lyles, he now he now works at ESPN. He's really funny. If you don't follow him, you should absolutely follow him on Twitter. But we used to just send each other memes all the time at work. And then like, just I don't know he like we our entire like friendship was just built on like sports memes and just stupid (laughs) memes um and so like we would just start making them and sending them to each other and then I would just like tweet some of mine and then people like I I don't know like it it just was never something I really thought of but I just like it it's very much part of how I think like the young generation right now of people between the age of like 16 and 30 like communicate with each other mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so it's so yeah like it's not something I ever really I mean I mean I don't want to cut that off at 30 like I'm sure everyone has memes in, so, in some regard but yeah I don't know I just it became like a second nature way of communicating with my friends I think so just became part of what I tweet a lot I there are certain photos I see that I'm like this is a meme waiting to happen and now I just have to <laughs> let it happen and I think I've I've really hit on like three of them <laughs> I was like, I was right. This was a meme waiting to happen and I, I nailed it. Um, but not, I'm, I'm like always in awe. And I know it makes me sound like I'm 117 years old, but like, I'm always just in awe of people who like see a photo and I, and then like, let's say you tweet your meme. I'm like, it's brilliant. Brilliant. How did she just come <laughs> up with that? In like two minutes. How did she do that? Um, but you know, there are some that are so obvious, but I think you, you're like a next level. You are a meme Lord. So thank you. I, I, I very much appreciate it. I feel like I've really gotten away from like the meme game the last couple of years. Like I really need to recommit to memes in my in the in my future social media endeavors. I tweeted a meme today. It was like one of the first memes I've I've tweeted in a, in a few weeks, but um yeah, oh, big fan of memes. 
right after you can go this. Ch- yeah, you can go check it out. <laughs> I'll be right on your Twitter <laughs> checking that out because that – Well, honestly, awesome. in 2021, like what isn't a meme? Like I feel like everything's a meme, right? Everything. Everything is a meme. That's very <laughs> – that's very, very true. I did one with Brady, the video, the famous wasted sea legs video, oh, yes. whatever we're going to go yes. with on that. Um, that fake said, like, wasted, apparently. Fake but... wasted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it said um, me when the bars open up again. And I was so proud of myself <laughs> that I posted. I was like, that's how good I am at memes that when I do get a good one, I'm like, I don't, like my whole day is made. Pat yourself <laughs> on the back. Yeah, you, yep. you nailed it. Good job. Nope. That one, I Brandon Ayuk flying over. Um, I don't know. I tried to block out a lot of the season, but one of the Eagles, and it was like <laughs> me and Monday, <laughs> and that was right. That there was you good. go. That's two. There you go. Those That's two. Two. Of, two really good ones. I'm all proud of well. you. I'll I'll Thank open you. like a Jessica Smetana school of memes one day, and and you can um, attend class, and I'll I'll teach you my ways. I'm just I kidding. You- I I don't honestly. I think I'm just like I'm like a little bit like online enough to like a little bit almost too online where I think <laughs> I I just see things a little bit like faster sometimes that like I'm like you think in memes that's a meme right exactly sometimes I speak in text like I'll actually say to somebody <laughs> out loud brb or oh lol then I'm like that's so embarrassing that I just said that you you think in memes though exactly. I, that's not embarrassing that's amazing <laughs> thank you um so let's talk a little bit about social media because unfortunately we live for all of its many wonderful attributes, there are also many not so wonderful attributes. And we live in a world of trolls with eggs as their profile photos, and they can be really mean and very harmful. Um, How do you deal with them and what tips do you have to do so? That's a good question. I feel like I have a lot more like creepy people in my mentions, mostly in my DMs, more so than my mentions, um, than I have like mean, just like straight up mean people, which is good. Hopefully that doesn't change. Although obviously not good that there's a lot of creepy people, but like, <laughs> but that's where we are. I mean, I think but, you just yeah. kind of nailed it. That's, <laughs> that's where we are. You're like, I got a lot of creepy people, but they're not, they're nice to me. So that's, right. That's, no, it's, that's like so depressing to say, but, um, <laughs> so yeah, I really don't read my DMS very often, which can, mm-hmm. I used to, and like, I used to have a lot of people DM me and be like, I love your podcast or like, this was a great article or something. And so like, that's definitely sad that I can't like read the good ones either. Um, But I definitely check my DMs a lot less frequently. And honestly, like maybe I should just turn them off. I don't really know. Like I, cause like you DM me about coming on this podcast. So like if they were completely off, like would have missed an opportunity, but um, I don't know. I think I think it's it's easier said than done, but I think just kind of ignoring it is the best way to go because I mm-hmm. think the more you engage sometimes, the more people feel emboldened to keep replying, thinking mm-hmm. that you'll give them the attention and engage with the next time. And then it kind of becomes this vicious cycle. Um, so I've never really, really engaged with people who are mean to me or like creepy or weird on Twitter or Instagram. Um, and I, I will probably keep it that way as long as I can. Um, mm-hmm. if someone says something that's like so stupid and like just sexist and like, like just ridiculous, I will point that out and make fun of them. Um, Fair. because I think it like, that's okay. I, I think being cruel to strangers online is generally not okay, but <laughs> if you're going to play into a sexist stereotype or trope, I will probably quote tweet it and be like, LOL, like, whatever. 
whatever mm-hmm. the whatever it is. Um, so I've done that a few times. But yeah, for the most part, I think just kind of trying to ignore it or mute people or like block certain keywords if people are like, you know, calling you a certain name often, like that's probably the way to go for me. But obviously it doesn't work for everyone. And internet harassment is a very real and, and scary thing. Well, and the mute and block buttons are your friends. Like yes. They very much are your friends. <laughs> and never, ever, this is just my advice to anybody listening, don't feel bad about using them. There's a oh. reason you use them. It's fine. Yes. Yeah. And I think like there's probably a lot more that social media platforms can do to prevent the type of harassment that happens a lot mm-hmm. on them, especially with people who are being harassed for like working in a certain industry or like literally doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, right now, like this is where we're at. And so unfortunately, part of using these platforms is a lot of time you're going to be open to gross comments and harassment and you have to figure out how to deal with it. And and I don't think it has to be that way, but that's the way it is right now. Yeah, that's that's very true. So when you look at young women coming into the sports industry now, is there a misstep that you see a lot of people making that you would like to tell them not to do? I don't know if there's like a misstep, but I do think that um, – I I noticed like a lot of young women and like myself included probably in this category a few years ago are afraid to like be confident in themselves or like really like gas themselves up the way that I think a lot of men do and like be mm-hmm. self-promotional. Um, I think it's important to really like put yourself out there professionally and not feel awkward or bad about it. Like I'll, I mm-hmm. sometimes I see people tweet like, "Here's something I wrote, I guess," or like you know, kind of like hedge their um, work that they've done, and in the way that like all women kind of speak in the workplace. Like if I, you know, if if I'm ever talking to a man in the workplace, I will always try to catch myself before I say like, "I think," "I guess," "I feel," because that's not how, like you shouldn't have to communicate that way. Just like say what Mm -hmm. you're thinking and don't feel bad about it. But that's, I think that's how like a lot of women are conditioned to speak without sounding combative or aggressive or, you know, difficult or whatever the sexist Mm -hmm. words are that are used a lot. Um, So yeah, I think just trying to like use your confidence to, and again, like this is easier said than done, but like be confident in in what you've done and like created and, and written or or set on camera or whatever, um, and not feel awkward putting that out into the world. And like, I think a lot of times women can be afraid of asking for attention, like putting that Mm -hmm. in air quotes, obviously, and and Mm -hmm. looking like thirsty or like they want attention when it's like, no, this is like the profession you're in. Like you need people to notice your work to, you know, Mm -hmm. get another job or get a job or improve or whatever. Um, so figuring out how to do that and, and be confident without feeling awkward or bad about it, I think is um, an important thing for young women, especially to learn. Absolutely. And I don't know if you ever saw a few years ago, there was a comedy thing. I want to say it was Amy Schumer and it was a group of women. They meet up on the street and one of the women says like, oh, I really like your hat. Like, oh, I, I got this on sale. And like, oh, I really like that piece you wrote. Oh, I, you know what? I like threw it together. And that we as women sometimes have a hard time taking the compliment and then – and like you said, being confident. And I think that's a really important thing. I'm glad that you brought that up because it's really important for all of us to remember that. Yes. When people compliment me, I think I'm just like, I, my brain like shuts off. Like when you (laughs) messaged me and you were like, would you like to come on this podcast? Like I've had like, 
um, who, I forget who you said, but like a bunch of like very like important women who work in sports. <laughs> I was like, me? But then I was like, no, like, no, no, no. See, like I did it with you. Uh-huh. Like it, it happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's funny because when you said that, I was like, no, you're, first of all, I'm going to say that all women that work in sports, we're going to, we're just going to say are all very important because I think that that's, you know, important for us to, I'm going to keep saying the word important. I think it's important for us <laughs> to, to really feel that way. And I think what you've done is interesting and I wanted to highlight it, but I did, I did notice you said that. And I was like, no, I mean, there's, I'm asking because I think you're amazing, but we all have a hard time with that. Well, thank you. I, I will take the compliment. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're very <laughs> welcome. But I think we do. We have a hard time that I even find sometimes like someone will say, especially like yesterday with International Women's Day, someone would like put something in their story that was nice. And my response would be like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like I wouldn't, someone, there was some account that put me like, it was like, I mean, I really felt like this was really over the top nice and maybe I need to just <laughs> own it. But it was like me, Danica Patrick, Aaron Andrews, there were a few others. And then I was like, I, I don't feel that's right. But then I was like, but maybe I should feel that. You know what? Thank you. You feel that's right. So thank you. I'll take it. But it's hard for us and it's not hard for men. Yeah. I think that's totally, I think that's totally true. And that's not a knock on men. Good for them. But right. like, nobody's, no man ever is like, oh, I don't think that I should be on that podcast. Right. <laughs> ever. Um, so that's what we're going to confidence ladies. That's where we're putting out there. Um, speaking of confidence in kind of a, a roundabout way, is there a criticism when you were early, very early in your career that you received that was difficult, but kind of helped shape who you are today? I'm not sure if there's like one particular criticism that I ever, like, I can't really think of anything. I can think of times where like, I would be working on like a specific thing and like one of my coworkers would tell me to do it a different way that was made it better, like that type of thing, but not Mm -hmm. like an overarching uh, thing that I can really think of. No, but I think it is important. Like feedback is super important. um, And it is hard sometimes to hear that you're not doing something the best way. And like sometimes feedback can be like sexist. So that's something to Mm -hmm. be aware of if you are a woman working in sports. But I think like at the end of the day, um, you can't get better at something without learning from the ways that you might not have, you know, done it perfectly before, although nothing is ever perfect. So uh, what is that? What is that expression? That's like, don't sacrifice good in, or like, I don't know, something about like not being perfect, but being good's okay. That's the expression. Like I'm, I'm coining mm-hmm. that right now. It sounded really good in my head. So I, I don't know. I, mean, I like it. I don't remember the exact one, but someone probably listening is like, oh yeah, right. She meant that. Dumbass. <laughs> Feel free to tweet us. <laughs> no, but I, I know what you're saying. And so I will actually kind of rephrase the question and this may not help at all. And so feel free to be like, nope, still not helpful. Thanks. So is there ever a project you were doing that, um, failed where you feel like you learned a lot from it and maybe failed oh, is a strong term, but I mean, every, yeah, like a thousand times. I think that, you know, I can't really think of like specifically, but there's a lot of things that I've worked on that, um, if they went really well, like maybe that could have been a, you know, a podcast series, or maybe that could have been like a really great, um, you know, long form piece. Like I think like a lot of things fail. I think that that's actually, it's more common that things fail than like succeed. Cause like, otherwise mm-hmm. wouldn't we all be like, I don't know, hosting the the most 
popular like <laughs> sports shows in the world. Like, I don't know. Like, wouldn't wouldn't I be like on today the Today Show if I had succeeded in everything? Like, I can't even really think yeah. of like what the pinnacle of like sp- being in sports media even is. But I don't know. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah, oh, I think for it's sure. it's it's common for things to not work out perfectly and to you know. But I don't think you have to see that as a failure. I think you can see that as like an experience. And I think that um, having a lot of both negative and positive experiences is like, it's still an experience and it's still something to learn from and to get better the next time. If you could give our listeners one piece of advice, and I understand if you want to give them two, I I always feel bad. (laughs) One piece of advice Um, for starting a career in sports journalism, what, what would it be? That's a good question. Hmm. I think the most important advice I could give is to always trust your gut. And that is super cliche, but I think it's true. Like, don't do anything that you feel uncomfortable doing or, you know, I guess that's really it. Like, if something doesn't feel right, you should trust yourself and not do it or not, you know, say it or whatever the thing is. Um There's a lot of like things that I think a lot of people look back on once they get to a certain age where they're like, that was, that didn't feel right. And it wasn't right. And I shouldn't have done that. Or like Mm -hmm. that experience was, it wasn't something about that was wrong. And, and I regret like not saying something about it. Um, I think that that's fairly common and trusting your gut is really important and, and knowing what your boundaries are, I think are very important. That's a good, good word. I'm glad you brought up boundaries because I think that is a really important thing. And it's hard. It's hard for a lot of us. And it's especially hard when you're first starting out and and you want to impress and you want to say yes to everything, but your boundaries will make you stronger, I think, in all aspects of your life. Yeah. And I think it's also hard. Like like when I started out at SB Nation, I was the only woman on the video team there. So I was in a room full of like 20, you know, middle-aged dudes, not really middle-aged, like 30s, Um, but I was 22. And like, a lot of times like I would, you know, try to like fit in and and not really like at first really be my like true weird self and slowly mm-hmm. like I became more comfortable with them and so things were okay but um this isn't like I'm not like nothing nothing bad happened. I'm just saying that like it's, you know, I think like a lot of people when they're young and they're starting out, especially women like try really hard to fit in and not really be themselves when like being yourself I think is what got you that job or like what put you there. And so you should stay true to that and like not worry so much about everything else. Um, That was like a completely different piece of advice. I'm not sure how I even tied that into what we were talking about, but. But it was important. Yeah, sure. We'll (laughs) go with that. Yeah. It was an important piece of advice and sometimes things go in a different direction and I'm I'm glad (laughs) that one did. I think that that's really, really important. And actually I think it did go with what we're talking about because it's, it could be you could use that for starting a career in sports journalism, or you could really use that in anything. Starting a career, you got to stick to to who you are. So I I think it was great advice. So thanks, True. thanks for bringing. You're welcome. That, bringing thank that you. up to us. Yeah, good question. Um, thank you very much. Well, this is like a little love fest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how have you seen in in the last several years working in sports, and maybe even since you were in college? How have you seen opportunities for women in sports improve, and how do you think we can still improve? Well, I think one very obvious way we can still improve. Sorry, there's a very loud car driving by. I'm not sure if you heard that. Um, no. New York City is quite 
it's bustling right now. You could say that. <laughs> um, anyways, I think one area where I see not a lot of improvement just from my point of view is that I have rarely worked anywhere where I've seen women in senior management roles or leadership roles. Um, I think it's, for me, I've seen more women in the kind of like middle, like whatever, I guess, because it's like not entry level, but like after entry level, like Mm -hmm. producer level, I guess, um, or like hosting or, you know, having podcasts, like that type of thing, I think has become way more there's way more women doing that. I can name like a ton of women off the top of my head who have podcasts that didn't, you know, there weren't that many like 10 years ago or five years ago even. Um, So I think those opportunities have definitely become more prevalent for women. Um, But the senior roles, like the people making the hiring decisions and the people who are, you know, like the editors in chiefs or the senior editors or the CEOs or, any of those upper levels, executive levels, I still have seen is very male dominated. Um, and that needs to change. And I think also very white and that also needs to change. Mm-hmm. It's true on all counts. And hopefully that is something we will see changing. I, I really hope in a year as I'm doing this podcast and I ask that question that someone says, well, something I've really seen changed over that change over last year is this. And really hoping for that. Um, Before we get to five fun facts, can you take us through a day in the life of Jessica Smetana? Okay. This is a hilarious question because honestly, like my life is so boring now that like there is a pandemic. Like I have no- You could do pre-pandemic if you want. I could do pre-pandemic. I can't even remember life before the pandemic, honestly. I feel like I will tell you like I, uh, this isn't like a typical day, but like this is like how I picture- any day of the last year, I wake up, I scroll on my phone for like two hours. I wake up pretty early. So I'll, I'll give myself credit for that. I don't sleep in. <laughs> um, scroll on my phone a couple hours. Uh, my boyfriend will make me coffee or like bring me a coffee or something. Um, I'll keep scrolling, like start, you know, sending emails, things like that. And work a few hours, um, do a workout, work a few more hours. Um, and then like at Around like six o'clock, I'll just start watching whatever I'm watching that night, and like maybe I'll bake some cookies, and that's it. Like, <laughs> I like a feature a of day. every day. I I try to work like you know. I, well, I obviously work. I don't try to work, but I try to schedule a walk into my day at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think going outside is very important, and yes. with a mask on, obviously. And I try to work out in the morning if I can. Um. But yeah, like it's really not exciting. I, like before the pandemic, I used to travel a lot, um, whether it was for work or just for fun. I used to go to a ton of sporting events. You know, mm-hmm. I got to go to the Super Bowl the last three years, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, I haven't done any of that lately. And uh, the days are definitely blending into each other. But um, I've still got to work on some cool things. And so like, you know, like last Saturday, I, I had a really interesting, I can't, I probably can't really say what it was, but I had a really cool shoot that was in Florida that I was producing from New York, obviously. But, um, you know, it's like fun, you know, sports stuff. Like it doesn't, that part of it doesn't get old, but, uh, yeah, a typical day is very, uh, lots of emails, lots of G chats, mm-hmm. lots of tweeting, 
And yeah, it's really riveting stuff. So I don't know who wouldn't want to grow up and and be me, honestly. It's just a really glamorous lifestyle that I live. (laughs) But it's funny, as you were talking, I was like, this sounds a lot like my day. And I think there's something something in the shared experience (laughs) that I'm like, this is, yeah, I try to work out in the morning, but sometimes it's the afternoon. I get up, I scroll, I have my coffee, (laughs) I work a few hours. I mean, it's and then by nighttime, yes, are you watching anything good? Let me ask you that before five fun facts. Ooh, yeah. Um, well, I'm actually watching right now the Mia Farrow Woody Allen documentary on HBO. It's called Farrow v. Allen, and it's really well done. It's obviously a very sensitive subject matter. It's about mm-hmm. Mia Farrow's um, daughter, Dylan, who was claimed she was sexually abused by Woody Allen. Um, and Woody Allen went on to marry Mia Farrow's adopted daughter, who mm-hmm. was, I think, 19 at the time. And it's, I'm sure people are pretty well aware of that story at this point because of the Me Too movement and everything. Woody Allen's been in the news frequently the last few years, but the documentary is very well done and um, it's just the subject matter is awful and it's really just interesting. But also I think there's like this moment happening right now in media where we're like being very introspective about the way media treated certain people in like the Mm -hmm. 80s and 90s and 2000s. Like, I'm not sure if you saw the Framing Britney Spears documentary, but um, similar subject matter. Like, it's very much like the documentary was kind of talking about how Britney Spears was covered in, you know, in interviews and in magazines and the way it was really sexist and misogynistic. Mm -hmm. And Um, This documentary is really similar. It's four parts. The fourth part hasn't come out yet, although it might be out by the time this podcast is out. Um, And it's very similar. Like the the media treatment of Mia Farrow at the time of these accusations was very much not really on her side. And it was more of presenting Woody Allen's case than her case. And hopefully the way that we cover allegations and abuse and uh, domestic violence and all of these things have changed and evolved and hopefully gotten better by then. But I think there's still a lot of lessons to be learned about the way that we frame those stories. And so if you're someone who's going into journalism, um, there are stories of this type of behavior Mm -hmm. all the time, inappropriate behavior, sexual harassment, domestic violence, all of these things. And um, I mean, you can look at the news last week with the Les Miles uh, Mm -hmm. story that came out in USA Today. So it's really important to understand how to cover those stories and to be sensitive to the subject matter. And I think watching how other outlets and different mediums and platforms um, present those stories is very helpful if you're if you're curious about that subject matter at all or if you're just interested in Mia Farrow and that whole story, which is in itself a really interesting story. Um, But, yeah, I think that's that's. what I've been up to lately is just watching a lot of uh, really good documentaries and Netflix shows. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because it goes back to something you said earlier that watching something outside of sports for people who want to get into sports can help you learn how to cover something and, and also can help just as much when you look at how people were treated, how subject matters were treated. There may be a story that comes your way that is very sensitive or that's you know not not like your fun sports story and how you handle that and how you treat the people involved and how you treat the people accused, the victims, everybody is really important. And so I think I'm glad you brought those up because I think it's important to see that as well. Yeah, definitely. Def- good uh, interviewing skills, tying that back to something I said earlier. That was A plus for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Oprah would be so proud. I have, I want you to know that I have the last two days been channeling Oprah. When I put together your questionnaire, I was like, 
how would Oprah do it? I thought very, <laughs> I really, I want you to know that it's like, it had, it's had a real effect on me. So thank you very much. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that that interview was like fascinating. I don't know if you're a fan of the Royal family at all, but, um, I was floored. It was so good. And I would actually also recommend to people listening, you could take your feelings about the Royal family, however you feel about it, watch that interview just to watch Oprah. Like yes. if you're want to be in this, this world, um, I, I found the interview fascinating. I thought it was really good. And I think Oprah is unbelievable. And so I think even from just that perspective, she's Oprah, it's like a right? masterclass. She's Oprah. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I'm young enough that like, I don't remember Oprah, the, like Oprah having a show. Like that wasn't mm -hmm. part of my like upbringing at all. I think I was too young for any of her, you know, when she had the show, but, um, so it's cool to actually be a part of like, to be able to see that live and be like, wow, like she should probably still have a show. Like what we got to do one of these once a week. Like, does anyone else have any like centuries old secrets to divulge yeah. on like on national live television? Because I would watch this every Sunday night. 100%. <laughs> she was amazing. And she did. I thought they did a great job of the interview too, as it wasn't, could have gone in a lot of different directions and it was just really well done. Yeah. Like, People were speaking their truth. She let them. She gave them space. She asked the right questions. They were comfortable. I just felt everything about it. It's very worth watching for yes. a variety of and reasons. And her, her reactions were like amazing, but also like appropriate. Like mm -hmm. obviously like when you're talking to someone, you don't want to inject yourself into the conversation, but mm -hmm. like when the subject matter does get weird or like surprising yeah. or dicey, like your reaction is important because you can't just be like, hmm, interesting. Next, like you got <laughs> no, you to follow it down that road. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. <laughs> yeah. So we highly recommend that one as well. Um, well, I think I'm going to end on that basically because you compared me to Oprah. I feel like this can't get any better. So I'm making, I'm making this about me. And if you have anything else to say, I'm very sorry. I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I just, I don't know that it could get any better than that. Well, you're, you're totally welcome. Um, but, of course, it can because we have five fun facts, um, which is something I, I mentioned earlier. I mentioned it every week. I'm sure the people listening to this podcast are like, we get it. But for those who haven't, um, I do this. It started with the 49ers players, doing it one-on-one -on -one with them, um, which has been so much fun, for lack of a better term, because inevitably some will be like, I'm not that fun. And then by fact three, they're like in it. <laughs> and so it's, it's always an enjoyable experience. But on this podcast, we ask everybody the same five questions every week, which has been great just because of the variety of answers we get. Uh, so without further ado, five fun facts with Jessica Smetana. All right, Jessica, what is your favorite moment in sports? Favorite moment in sports, probably Super Bowl 43 when the Steelers beat the Cardinals and Santonio Holmes caught the game winning touchdown. I was, I think, in like eighth grade. And I remember that game like it was yesterday because I am a huge Steelers fan. I'm from Chicago, but my mom is from Pittsburgh. And so most of my family is in Pittsburgh and from Pittsburgh. So I love the Steelers. It's like part of my DNA. Um, people are always like mad at me for some reason for liking the Steelers and not the Bears but like you've if you've watched the Bears the last few years like well, come on like can you blame me anyways 
that game was amazing. I remember being so upset when the Cardinals took the lead. I like one of my eighth grade friends was at my house and I like kicked her in the shins because I like couldn't <laughs> control my anger. Like I was like that type of kid. Like I had like so much pent up like adrenaline that like when the when I think it was Larry Fitzgerald scored or maybe he had just like a big reception or something late in the fourth quarter. I was like freaking out. Like I was about to punch a hole in the wall. And then the Steelers came back and won in the most exciting way possible. And I like literally was like crying. I was like hugging my parents. Like I just won the Super Bowl. Um I have a great picture of me. Like I like jumped into my dad's arms. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So that was it. I mean, I don't think it gets better than that. That was the best. Um, I am going to interject myself into the interview just because I so appreciate that you kicked your friend <laughs> in the shins. I, during a 49ers playoff game, I think against the Packers, um, my best friend was over and I made her leave the room at halftime. <laughs> and she was like, are you serious? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm serious. This is not going well. So some, something has to change yes, and it's going to be you. You're yeah. going, yeah. She was like, okay. My I'm boyfriend like – my boyfriend literally hates watching Notre Dame football games with me. Like during the Clemson game this year, he was like, why do you do this? Like this, this isn't fun. Like why? And I was like, are you, are you not a sports fan? Like you're a Knicks yeah. fan. You should understand. Like oh. this makes me angry, but I have to watch it because I love it so much. Like this is what it's about. This is sports. <laughs> the Knicks fan. I mean, if anybody should understand, it should be a Knicks fan. Thank you. I agree. You make sure he listens to that part of the podcast. I will. I will. <laughs> Um, what is your life motto? I don't have a life motto. I'm trying to like think of a life motto off the top of my head, but I used to say this on my podcast. So I guess I'll say my life motto is um, let's yeet this wheat. Oh, I don't know what it means, but like someone tweeted it at me once. And so I used to say it at the end of our, our show. So that's my motto. It's like, I don't know what it means either, but I kind of do. But like it kind of rhymes and it, I, it was like part of a different meme. So like, I think like maybe like three people that listen to this will remember that and they'll be like, oh, and so that's why it's my life motto. Okay. Let's eat this wheat. I'm, I'm kind of into it. I'm just going to start saying it to confuse people. I don't know what it means, but it sounds it, right. I don't even think it matters. <laughs> I think it totally works. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your go-to workout? Go-to workout. I am a Barry's boot camp addict. Um, I do Barry's boot camp like three or four times a week. It is really hard but it is the best. Um, so yeah, I, I try to do that. I used to play soccer. I gave up. Well, I didn't give up on it, but I stopped playing soccer, I think two years ago because I was just like, someone on my team like tore their entire knee apart. And I was like, you know what? Like I'm too old for this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm too old for a multiple uh, ligament repair surgery. And I live in New York city and I'm not going to do that. So I'm just going to do Barry's boot camp and hope that I don't tear my knees that way. Fingers crossed. I also hope that for you. <laughs> I'm with you on this journey. <laughs> contact sports, contact sports are, I, I, I think I assume more like those worse injuries are probably more likely. I feel like doing Barry's like, maybe I'll You're like fine. tear a hammy, but like, hopefully I won't do something that requires surgery. <laughs> let's, let's hope not. And I think you're pretty safe with Barry's. <laughs> Please keep us posted. Fingers crossed. I'm like going to go knock on wood, BRB. Every uh, morning in, on the West Coast, when I know it's East Coast time, I'm going to be like, I really hope Jessica's workout is going well and that she hasn't torn anything. I, God, I hope. I just probably jinxed myself for eternity. So that was good. You'll be fine. You'll be totally fine. What is your go-to coffee order? I only drink black coffee, um, cold brew year round. I think mm -hmm. there's probably a, a week or two every February where I have to switch to hot because it's just like 20 degrees out. But okay cold brew. And also I drink like a shot of espresso probably every morning. Um, but 
just black espresso, just one shot, okay. and then you know, some cold brew. Yeah, that's it. I, I'm nothing wrong with that. And last but not least, what is a book every woman should read? Okay, I have no idea. I don't know like a book every woman should read. I read a lot of like historic nonfiction, and most Ooh. of it is not like not really like women or men. Like it's just like his. I don't know. Like I I should have an answer, but I can't really think of one. Do you just have a favorite book? I probably do have a favorite book, but I can't. I mean, my favorite book series is Lord of the Rings. I think probably most people who follow me on Twitter know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read the series a hundred times. The Hobbit also, I included that. Um, I love The Hobbit. But yeah, I don't know. I've read a lot of good books the last year during the pandemic. Um, and a lot of, like, I read Trevor Noah's autobiography was really good. Um, and I read a good book about the NFL called The League. It's really, like, really deep in the weeds historical. But if you're a big Mm -hmm. NFL fan, I would recommend that because there's a lot of good background on how the league got started. And a lot of the things that happened in the 20s and 30s are still part of what shaped the league today. So it's it's very uh, informative for sports fans. Fantastic. And I bet a lot of people on this podcast are big NFL fans. So I would, I would guess. Yeah. Yes, I think there are. So this has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank I you. do too. That was, this is the best. This, it was just like, you know, two friends chatting. So yeah, love that. I really, I really enjoyed it. So I'm glad that you said yes. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that it, it all worked out. Um, everybody, if you liked what you heard and I know that you did, that's me being confident and putting it out there. Uh, make sure to please leave us a five-star review and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at fangirl sports network. We'll talk to y'all. All, we'll talk to you all later. Bye guys. Sports opinions with a side of satire. We're the first and tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First and tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we We think think we're we're funny funny AF. AF. First and tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstandtenspodcast.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.